This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to reflect on the great commission that Jesus gave us before He ascended to heaven to go and make disciples of all nations. And in the course of this mission, we're called to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us for the sake of building up His kingdom for His glory. And my guest this week, Terry Poplava, is going to help us take a closer look at this Christian call to stewardship, in particular to giving, and is going to frame some of this in the context of the pandemic and the impact it's had on giving and how we might be able to respond. You'll hear Terry mention one phrase that really got my attention, and it was something that gave him pause as well during his own walk of faith and in his professional career, and that is, what do I own and what owns me? As I'm recording this, I'm preparing to move. And while I'm not moving far at all, just one town over, this is the longest I've ever lived in one place as an adult. And as I prepare to pack up the boxes, this is a moment to really look around at my belongings as a kind of examination of conscience. What have I accumulated over the years? What do I really need in my day-to-day life? What might I be overly attached to? In other words, are there things in my possession that have a really strong hold on my heart and might actually own me, as Terry will explain? Unsurprisingly, we find plenty in Scripture to help us navigate our relationship with things and money and how we should use our gifts well. So before I get to the interview, I wanted to share a few of those words from Scripture, which can help inspire us to live out this dimension of good stewardship within the evangelizing mission of the Church. First, from the Gospel of Matthew. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and decay destroy, and thieves break in and steal. But store up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor decay destroys, nor thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. In First Peter we hear, As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever preaches, let it be with the words of God. Whoever serves, let it be with the strength that God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And in Timothy chapter 6, we hear this exhortation. Tell the rich in the present age not to be proud and not to rely on so uncertain a thing as wealth, but rather on God, who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, 
thus accumulating as treasure a good foundation for the future so as to win the life that is true life. Again, that is just a sampling of what scripture teaches about wealth and how we should use our gifts well. So please enjoy my conversation with Terry as he describes how stewardship flows from an encounter with Christ. And I'll be back with a brief word after the interview. I'm delighted to be joined by Terry Poplava, who serves as the Director of Strategic Expertise at ACS Technologies. He helps ACS Technologies grow into their full mission of serving churches and building up the kingdom. Terry, it's great to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm doing well, Miriam. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here with you. Well, Terry, I look forward to hearing more about this recent study that was released. Uh, So it sounds like ACS Technologies partnered with the Center for Church Management uh, in the Villanova School of Business to look more closely at the impact of um, COVID-19 on Catholic parish giving. So I look forward to hearing more about what uh, some of the takeaways from that study are and what we can learn, what the laity can learn, what pastors can learn. But before we get to that, Terry, I'd love to hear a little bit about how the road kind of looked like for you even getting into this work in the first place. Oh, sure, Miriam. Thank you. Uh, you know, By the grace of the Holy Spirit, you end up somewhere and hope that you're helping in your current role, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Quite a journey. I worked in industry for a number of years, but uh, found my way to the business of church originally actually through ACS Technologies. I was I was at ACS uh, serving parish data system, but I got to know our Sunday visitor and it was the challenge of stewardship, this challenge of what do I own and what owns me that kind of you know, took me out of my comfort zone and encouraged me to join our Sunday visitor, where I I spent uh, a number of years as the executive director of marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that stewardship journey was a core component of what we focused, like about not just about giving, but about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then I met Sherry Waddell and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a parish of intentional disciples. And after arguing with myself about that, I kind of got pushed out and I went to Catholic Leadership Institute and was Mm -hmm. vice president of ministry development there where we really could interact directly with our leaders, uh, encouraging them, you know, they they need care, uh, but there's also so much that can be done with strategic planning. So Mm -hmm. I went from an environment that was about um, a lot about giving, also a lot about publications, a lot about catechesis and curriculum, to consulting with leaders and strategic planning. And interestingly enough, uh, those required that I travel all the time. I'm grateful to be closer to home with ACS Technologies. But this role, uh, thanks be to God, is allowing me to try to bring together the needs for what, what do we need to do to think ahead and how do we do it and not just through uh, a new set of priorities, but also the underpinning technology that helps us do it. So I'm trying to help assemble technology with ministry and and planning. Uh, so I, you know, it's been a journey. <laughs> wow! And it sounds like right now you're sort of at the intersection of these different things. Which honestly, Terry, some of us might take for granted that this is working in the background of. Uh, the life of ministry. Um, and and I know this question that comes to mind, um, and it might be on the minds of the listeners too, is this connection between 
a life of Christian stewardship and sharing the gospel and evangelization. How how might you describe why if we want to be good evangelists, we need to have a good sense of stewardship as well? Well, to have a good sense of stewardship, we first need to be evangelized ourselves, really. Um, you know, if we're living in a, you know, what do I get kind of mode for what I'm giving, then we're, we're not even there yet. So yeah. it, stewardship really is an expression of our faith. And the joy that we get from the expression of our faith should make that evident to other people so that as a good steward, as a disciple of Christ who's chosen to follow him and is now exhibiting practice of stewardship, hopefully we're a great example for people we come in contact with. That's the best evangelization you can possibly have. Uh, It's, you know, we don't have to be experts in all the details of the faith. But if we can just welcome people and be confident and be joyful about who we are, uh, then hopefully we'll attract them and the Holy Spirit can act from there. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. That really we're we're talking about something that sort of flows naturally from that encounter with Jesus Christ, how it changes our life. And then that really impacts then how we're living out our life in community and relationship with others and how others then in turn are drawn to the church. Uh, Terry, what are some concrete examples of stewardship that come to mind? If this term is maybe a little, um, maybe unfamiliar to Catholics who wonder, okay, well, I, I'm being asked to to give. I think um, the idea of giving might be uh, maybe narrowed down to what is put into a collection basket. Mm-hmm. Would that be a fair description, Terry, or is it even bigger than that? What does it look like to give? Oh, Miriam, you know, it's much bigger than that. Mm. Um, It is an expression of our faith. And interestingly, I was I was just writing about this recently, that it seems like we've lost that sense of what stewardship is. Mm. Um, We are a gift from God. Um, And if you if you contemplate this, this I'm stealing this from Tom Sani of Greater Mission. He was reminding me that Jesus was given. Jesus himself was a gift. Mm. Um, And then he gave us a share in his mission on earth by sending us forth. We're given and we're given to each other. And if you contemplate that and recognize what that might mean, you can't help but be um, overwhelmingly uh, grateful. So it is who we are as a person. You know, we we tritely sometimes call it, you know, time, talent and treasure, which I think under, you know, really underrepresents what we're talking about. We're talking about our gifts and what we can share with each other in the way that we uniquely do it. Yeah. Financial giving is as important, though. That's a, that is an expression of our faith. And as long as our churches continue to be good stewards of the use of the finances, there's great purpose for both. A temporal mission that we often get through our appeals, but also just the ongoing ministry of the church, which should be about our, our our offertory. This is for the church on earth to help us move forward and form people um, as Christian disciples. Yeah, and what I what an opportunity to Terry, like you you mentioned this about this um, this invitation to participate in the ongoing mission and ministry of Jesus, that that has not stopped for one moment. And there's all these different ways that we live that out and that we're called to respond to, to that, that 
commission that Jesus left us with to go and make disciples. And that uh, that requires this sense of self-gift as well. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Terry Poplava, who serves as the Director of Strategic Expertise at ACS Technologies. Terry, uh, could you fill us in on this new study that was just released, which takes a closer look on the ongoing impact of COVID-19 on uh, Catholic parish giving? Sure. First of all, I'd like to mention the Center for Church Management at Villanova is part of the business school. It's a chance for our church leaders to get a master's in business, oh, wow. specifically attuned to serving in churches. So it is it is applies that unique nuance of what it means to minister through church to business practices. It's an outstanding program itself. So I have a high regard for it and was very excited that we were able to engage with uh, with them, uh, Matt Mannion in particular, who's the director there, to uh, take a look at what the implications might be of the data that we have as a company. After four, after more than 40 years of ministering to churches and supporting them and developing software for them, what could we glean from what we have gathered that might be useful? And uh, because it's on our minds, uh, you know, certainly giving is e fairly easy to measure, and there's a lot of data available about giving. That was a starting point. And we wanted to do a little bit of an update on really where we are today and what was is the factual information about what's happened with giving, because there's lots of opinions about it. Yeah. So we set out two hypotheses. One was we thought that um, because attendance is down, giving's probably down. Mm -hmm. um, and there is some general commentary out there about giving being down. The second thing we thought was that maybe large parishes would would have done better through COVID because they had resources, they might be able to be more technically capable. Um, and as it turned out, our study proved both of those things to be false. Wow, okay. So we looked at about, we, we have data for about a thousand parishes that we narrowed it down to representing all areas of the country and representing all sizes of parishes from small to very, very large. Okay. Um, and the, the findings that were very interesting. What we see is that giving is actually up above pre-pandemic levels before we even went into the pandemic. So that's very exciting. And I think hopeful for us that we have this group of Catholics who are giving generously financially and representing their faith. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, it, and so and it's actually was up about 26%. It's still up uh, 16% uh, as sustained over time, clear through uh, this spring. But it's from fewer people. Mm. It's from uh, it's from 24% fewer Catholics. And that is the downside of this. That's a big concern for us and means that we still have work to do. Yeah, that that is really interesting. So uh, certain folks are definitely feeling a little more generous, I guess, but uh, I'm guessing the, the dip that 24% is, is that coming just from the fact that attendance might be down? Probably. Okay. It, it's okay. probably a sign of people who stopped going out of habit and stopped giving out of habit. Yeah. So we didn't have a good connection. They probably weren't good stewards, really good evangelized to start with. So I think that that gives us an opportunity of where we might start to do some work. On the other hand, we have a group who are uh, great representatives 
And I think that's very hopeful for us as a church. So let's say uh, a pastor goes to read that, reads these numbers, and it kind of squares with his own experience in, in the parish. Um, how do how do we respond, um, knowing that this is not really a sustainable way forward? Because that can't that that can't kind of keep things going uh, indefinitely. What do you have in mind in terms of getting equipped to respond? A couple of things. The first thing that I think about is we probably know who the people are that we're giving that are no longer giving. That sh- that should be in the records somewhere. Uh, I hope uh, that that much tracking was being done. So to me, the first opportunity is to make sure that we are reaching out uh, and that we have a connection and a personal relationship with the people who stopped giving. The, at a minimum, we need to invite them. Yeah. Whether or not they're physically coming, we need to make them understand and be confident they're still part of our community. We're still ministering uh, and uh, to invite them to be part of this and, of course, invite them back. Beyond that, I, I love that you started with this topic of stewardship and evangelization. Mm-hmm. The broader, longer term thing is that we we must restore our sense of gratitude and generosity and an understanding of this connection of what it means to give financially to our parishes. And that message is something I think needs to become more prominent. I would suggest that we go uh, explicitly about witness talks where we invite people to talk about their expression of faith, how the parish has helped them, that we're very uh, intentional about outcomes from the ministry we are doing in our parishes and that we do a good job of communicating that over a period of time. So some, you know, some things that we know that we may or may not be doing as a habit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, my, my mind is going in probably a hundred directions right now. Again, I, I work in a parish and I'm so I take all of what you're saying, Terry, really to heart. And I love the idea of providing a platform for those witness talks, uh, being able to communicate the the good fruit of what is happening in the parish that parishioners might not be aware of. And so that brings in a whole question of communication as well. And we know that that can often be another gap or crack in in parish life. So all of these things are connected. Um you know, I, you mentioned that this was, uh, this is a sign of hope that there are people who are giving even more generously. Now, I, I want to do just a little bit of digging here. What do you think? Cause the last couple of years have been, they've been challenging, Terry. I mean, that's kind of an yes, understatement, right? Yes. Um, why, what do you think? And I'm not saying that there's data about this. This is all kind of theory, but what might be inspiring those people to want to give even more? I mean, churches were, were closed for a certain amount of time. There was a sense of disconnect, but there was something stirring a number of folks to even want to, to give more. What do you think might have inspired that? Well, obviously, we can never know for sure. <laughs> It'd be great yeah. to ask them. Yeah. But I think what you just talked about, at least to some extent, I, you have to think that it's them observing the need of the church. Okay. Uh, yeah. This sense that, gee, we could we could go under if we're not careful. So, uh, you know, I do believe I, I think that I, I do want to help sustain the church. Yeah. I, I also I don't know about you, but I saw some heroic efforts on the part of priests, my own pastor, in what he was doing and how he carried forth. Um, and the people who were in need were cared for. 
So that touched my heart. Um, and I, yeah. I'm sure that touched people's hearts too, just to, to, if you were observing, if you were present. I also thought there was a lot of beauty, even in the, you know, the opportunity for attending mass remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some very beautiful prayerful services and, you know, our own reflection on our intentions uh, of, and our sincerity of being present there is another thing that I, I think gave us another way of celebrating that we hadn't really explored very much before. Mm-hmm. So uh, being able to make that connection back to the church, some of us, some lost, some just decided, well, this is pretty comfy, so I'll just do this. Yeah. But but I, I think we have, um, we had the opportunity of a an emergency, a tragedy that brought out the best in a number of people. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that, Terry. Again, there's, uh, like you said, we can never really fully know. And and really, some of this really is just the the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. But you, you said a word that I think was important. You said it a couple times, and it's that uh, people were observant, um, being uh, attentive to the needs of the parish. And uh, just recognizing what might again be going on behind the scenes. You know, we, we don't want that attentiveness to kick in just when like bits of the roof are falling on our head. <laughs> you know, we want to be able to see it before and anticipate those needs. So I think this is a good challenge and invitation, Terry, for all of us, myself included, just to, to be attentive to the needs of daily parish life. Terry, we have a few uh, minutes left, and I wanted to ask you if there are any sort of future projects in store um, with an ongoing partnership, maybe with the Center for Church Management. Are there any upcoming um, studies or projects? Yes, there are a number of things. I also want to comment on what you just said, Miriam, because I I so agree. Uh, Thank you for pulling out attentiveness and, and observance. How often do we say when we're at Mass, that we need to be present and how easy it is not to be present, to to really put our focus there. And I think that's part of what you're talking about here. What we're talking about is being mindful and present in what we're trying to do as a ministry. And it extends beyond mass, of course, uh, to to seeing the need uh, and to having a sense of where our church needs to go for the future. So I thank you for for drawing that out. I just had to comment. A number of things that we're going to be doing uh, with Villanova and actually also now with Wheaton College. So Mm -hmm. not all Catholic. There's we're expecting to repeat this study for Catholic for a number of other denominations in hopes that it will help them. Awesome. Uh, But there is a there's an important piece of work going on for mid-year that will be uh, a modeling the lifetime value of a donor that will be, I think, very helpful to Catholics. Using the the model that was developed for a lifetime value of a customer that I think will help in planning purposes and also understanding and reminding us of the impact of someone's ongoing gift to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we already have put out some of, but we're going to be promoting a little bit further is some research that we've done. We do it. This is the third set of every four years doing a study on American beliefs. It's religious beliefs and preferences and and, and actually social needs of 15,000 respondents across the country. And so we've been putting out reports. This is now available on AmericanBeliefs.com okay. about what was happening in uh, 
when I forget what date, <laughs> four years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and then in the past year and what's changed in terms of the perceptions of people. And now it's cross Christian, but I, I've looked at some of the Catholic data, about a quarter of the respondents were Catholic, which okay. is fairly representative of the United States. But some of what we hear coming out of our synod outcomes mm -hmm. is reflected also in this and can be validated or verified as where people are and what we think we need. I find that very interesting and helpful as well. We'll continue that in the future and a little bit more in-depth study there. Good. And we're we're continuing to look at other ways to use our use our data and to uh, whatever we learn from the consulting work that we're doing with parishes and dioceses. Awesome. Terry, I look forward to hearing more about that. And I hope our, our listeners will will check it out as well as these as these future projects and studies unfold. Terry, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Thanks for all that you're doing to help build up the kingdom. Thank you, Miriam. God bless you. You too. I often sum up my work in pastoral ministry in just a few words. I've mentioned it on this show before, and I'm borrowing um, the phrasing of this mission from a Catholic songwriter I heard many years ago, Tori Harris, who said that she worked to create environments of receptivity to the Holy Spirit. There are lots of ways to create these environments. It can be as simple as buying someone a cup of coffee and listening intently to them as they share their questions and their struggles. But on a bigger scale, say a Catholic parish, creating that environment involves a few more moving pieces. For instance, a boiler that works so people aren't freezing during the Mass books for First Communion classes, tables and chairs so that families can gather to learn about the faith. In the end, all of these things, from HVAC systems to coffee and donuts, are intended to create places and opportunities for individuals to have an encounter with Jesus and to foster communion within the body of Christ. And that's why I really appreciate how Terry highlighted the importance of giving a platform to share personal testimony so that parishioners can speak about how they've met Jesus and grown in their faith within the context of the parish community. As Terry explained, people become more generous when they really witness the profound need that we have for the church and all that she provides. She offers community and prayer, support and a sense of meaning, but above all, the Eucharist, the source and the summit of our Catholic faith. Every hour spent serving in a soup kitchen or food pantry, every moment of catechetical instruction, every dollar offered in that collection, all of those gifts are swept up into that perfect gift of divine love, which is found in Holy Communion. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to explore what it means to share the gospel with courage and hope in today's world. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.